many of us who've had dogs or cats in our lives know that they will die and we expect it when our pets get to a certain age and we know it's okay to be sad and even to cry, but it's no surprise that it's really different for kids. Many kids are losing their best friend and sometimes their confidant. And with younger children, their mom and dad may feel it's best to buffer the sadness with euphemisms like he's gone to sleep or she's gone away. And that can leave the children wondering when it will be home, when their pet will wake up. Dr. Joshua Russell from Canisius University in Buffalo has focused much of his research on children's relationships with animals that involve death, loss, and suffering, and especially the loss of pets. He's interviewed children of all different ages on how their pet died, how they felt at the time, and how they've coped. And he says kids are more resilient than we give them credit for. Dr. Russell is on the show today to give insight on how parents can talk to children when their pet dies, the different ways their, their child may grieve, and for how long, and ways to support them. Hi, Dr. Russell. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Janice? I'm great. I'm great. Summer's over, so we're all back in the saddle, if I'm going to use a pet analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. It's but uh, we're here to talk about um, children and grief over uh, the loss of a pet or a, a dog or a cat dying. And um, I'm going to ask you about other animals as well. Uh, but can you tell me, I guess, just start with, do kids and adults grieve in a much different way? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think in some ways grief is the sort of the same sort of emotional feeling, whether or not some people feel grief more acutely than others. That can be true of adults, comparing adults or comparing adults and children. Um, but in my experience and in the people that I've talked to, I mean, children feel grief in a way that is also sort of surrounding a, a sense of confusion about what death actually is. Um, depending on how old we're talking. I mean, so, you know, I tend to talk about children as like, you know, children and young people as anywhere from zero to 21 or zero to 24. But, you know, if we're talking about sort of like middle age childhood, um, the concept of death is still something that children are working through. Uh, and so, you know, there's some existential uncertainty and and coming to grips with not only, you know, has my pet died or has my grandparent died but also the fact that we are going to die now as adults you and I both know that we we think about our own mortality too um but for children that's a sort of a new concept to think about and so there's an added element there of of how grief uh is a confusing and a new experience alongside of this kind of existential question of you know when will I die or, or what will it be like if I die? Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I've spoken to a child psychologist about children and grief at losing a, a grandparent or a parent. And, and she said, even if the baby is a month old, mm -hmm. you take that the baby or the child to, to the funeral because they need to understand that finality. And even at a month old, um, might have been a little older than that, but but a child can, um, even at that stage of life, feel 
the the sense of loss and grief. And if you can help children learn that at an earlier age, and then, uh, you know, it helps them going forward in their life to understand. I think it's, it's like you're saying that permanent, it's, it's permanent. Um, But you, but when I was reading about it, and you were talking about different ages, it was, um, they were breaking the age groups into kind of like two to five and then seven to 12 and and then above that. And that, and you talk to the kids in a much different way about, you know, losing a pet, like, and all of the, you know, euphemisms and way we talk about it. So let's break it down into those age groups. So if it's a really young child and they've lost their doggy that they cuddle with, they are going to feel a real sense of loss. Yeah. Yeah, I've certainly. I mean, and I, I've spoken to children as young as six um, about the death of their pets. Um, and there is, in many ways, I find that those sort of categories of ages can be somewhat arbitrary. Um, you know, there's probably general rules. And if you ask developmental psychologists, sometimes they'll say things like, you know, younger children tend to be more egotistical. And so, you know, while they're experiencing the grief of their pet, um, a lot of it's focused on their own emotions and their own feelings and their own sense of loss. And, um, you know, whereas older children and teenagers may also recognize, oh, other people are experiencing this loss in my family as well. And a sort of shared familial sense of grief. And that that has played out in some of the interviews that I've done with children. So I've talked to to children who were who were quite young uh, in that sort of six to seven age range, um, and they, a lot of the grief that they spoke about was losing their friend, losing um, something that was important to them, um, uh, and that was true for older children as well. But they were also able to talk about the fact that their family had lost a member. Right. And so there's more of a sense of the social or the community part of this this experience of loss. And so our family is different now um, was something that kind of came up in children who are a little bit older. Yeah. So the children who are a bit older, they understand the finality. Yeah, that their their dog or their cat. um, We're going to talk about dogs and cats right now are not coming back. Right. It's not like they've gone somewhere or he used like the words, you know, um, we've, we've had to put our puppy to sleep. Um, I'm saying puppy because a dog at any age to me is a puppy, but we've had to put our puppy to sleep to a younger child might mean, oh, well, my doggy's going to wake up and yeah. come home. And then they're going to be saying, mommy, daddy, when's, when's the puppy going to wake up and come home? Right. So that younger age that finality and and you're saying you know they're sort of in that ego more egotistical phase it would be hard for them to understand right that anything is final because their world is just sort of the way they make it up yeah well and especially when you talk about those types of metaphors that people often use to describe i mean especially death of animals i don't think we necessarily do this as much with death of of human beings but death of animals we use go to sleep or I mean, I remember when I was a kid, uh, somebody telling me, you know, an animal went away to live on a farm and actually that animal 
was euthanized. So, um, you know, and one of the things that I've heard about, and this isn't necessarily something that I've heard children themselves say, but, you know, equating being put down or being put to sleep with, you know, death um, may also for younger children make them become afraid of going to sleep or afraid of going to bed themselves, because then the concern is, well, if I go to sleep, will I die? Um, and, and, you know, I think having a conceptual idea uh, of death as finality and of death as part of everyone's life, um, and also of the unpredictability of life that comes with learning about death. So, you know, younger children often think that everything happens for a specific reason or because somebody intended that to happen. Right. And so trying to explain death to, to a young child who may think like, well, why did they have to die? Right. Who decided that that animal had to die and uh, a sense of fairness, whereas under, older children um, will will recognize that death is just something that happens sometimes by chance. Right. Like that we can't control all aspects of life and that there's not somebody who's always making a decision about who lives and who dies and fairness and rightness and wrongness. Um, and so that, that conceptually changes too. Is there a difference between a dog and a cat, for example? Because they're certainly very different when, when they're living. I mean, I mean, literally there's no comparison really, except they're a pet, at least that's kind of my take on it because everything about them is so different. Yeah. Is there a different way that kids would grieve the loss of a dog and the loss of a cat? Because as well, their relationship is completely different. You're out, you're playing with your dog and you're doing whatever and, and, and your cat is a cuddle. Right. Well, so it's interesting to think about dogs and cats. So, so in my research, I, I actually haven't seen that much difference between dogs and cats. Um, and part of the reason for that is, you know, um, Children, depending on the age, again, may have different responsibilities when it comes to taking care of that animal. Um, and so, you know, younger children aren't necessarily feeding it or taking it for a walk, but, um, you know, older children might be. And there's also one of the things that has come up in my research is um, a sense of lifetimes. And there's actually a really beautiful children's book, uh, picture book about um, death called on lifetimes, which talks about how different organisms have different lengths of their lives and different kinds of lives. And this actually came up in how I talk to children. And so comparing cats and dogs who roughly live, you know, we were talking about like my dog, we put our dog down a year and a half ago. Um, and she was 13, maybe 14 because we adopted her. So we're not really sure. Um, and, you know, cats live to roughly about the same age, maybe sometimes a little bit longer, um, where children made distinctions um, was when animals died before their time, right? So regardless if it was a cat or a dog, if that animal was young, then that was something that was almost sadder or more unfair because that animal hadn't lived its full life. Um, and so if you think about other types of pets, which I don't know if we're going to get into that just yet, but like guinea pigs or hamsters um, or rabbits, those are animals that we don't expect to live as long as a cat or a dog. And so if it dies at three or four years of age, um, that's sort of 
in the children that I've spoken with, that's sort of thought of as a different kind of loss. Yeah, I think that um, certainly for adults, because um, we had to have, we had a, a third, our 13 year old dog um, died about, I don't know, month, month and a half ago. Now she actually had been quite ill and lived much longer than we expected, but it was still, um, my partner Robin had a, was very close to her and a really, really hard time, even though we were prepared and actually feeling good that, that she had, um, lived longer, but you always wonder, did I do the right thing? Was it her time? Um, did I take care of, of her properly? And I think that's, those are questions for, for kids as well. I mean, like, did I take care of her properly? Yeah. You know, was it, my, is it my fault? And I would think that that would be a question that comes up because adults have an extremely difficult time um, when they, when they lose a pet that they've had for a long time. And I've had n- a number of dogs and it never gets easier. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, I think one of the interesting things that, you know, sort of comes out of that is so, so many adults, um, I mean, more and more adults now are having, have pets in place of children. Um, but a lot of parents that I've spoken to had pets before they had children. And so pets had been a part of their lives before even their children were a part of their lives. Um, and so, you know, losing their pet as a family um, often was really difficult for parents in a way that it wasn't necessarily for the children sometimes. Um, I can think of one instance where I interviewed uh, a little boy um, who was seven years old. And um, after the interview, his mom told me that when the, when the dog died, um, that she tried not to cry in front of the children um, because she was so upset about the loss of the dog. But that one day after school, her her child drew a picture of her um, doing the laundry and sobbing. And when she asked him what it was about, he said, this is you being sad about the dog. Um, and she realized that she wasn't actually able to hide her emotions. Um, and I think that's an interesting sort of way in which sometimes people try to protect children from recognizing those emotions in other people and in, in themselves. Um, and, you know, in terms of that sense of, of personal responsibility, I think a lot of the children that I speak with um, about the death of, of their pets want to feel like they're involved in the decision-making process, right? So, you know, except for in instances where an animal died suddenly, you know, I've talked to kids whose cats had gotten hit by cars or, um, you know, a dog ran away and they found out later that it had died. Um, but children whose sort of pets were were euthanized in particular um, wanted to feel like and often described the, the decision-making process as one that they made as a family, right? So they often use the phrase, we, we decided that, you know, he had lived a good long life or we decided that the cat, she was, you know, too sick and she wouldn't get better. So we decided that, you know, um, it was best for her to be euthanized. And so that sense of responsibility is almost like one that children recognize as shared or want it to be shared. 
Um, and maybe when we're an adult, we feel more individually responsible, right? Yeah. Like, so it's actually, um, well, when the child's older, so let's say a teenager, it's a conversation where you all make the decision that, yeah. uh, like you said, especially if, if the, I can't use the word euthanized because it's so horrible. And I think that that's the thing with most pet owners, but to make that decision that it's, it's, it's time to, uh, for your dog to to be put to sleep that if you have that that conversation and everybody makes the decision and then the other thing is if your child is old enough is it is it okay to take it take the kid with you when you go to the vet because you and i both know right. how hard it is as an adult to watch you know the life leave yeah your 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 loved dog is there a time where it, 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 it's good for your child to see that, to understand the full process? Yeah, I think that's, um, so there's an interesting sort of going back to a point you brought up earlier about bringing, you know, even babies around um, death and, and sort of making them realize that death is a part of life. And I think culturally, we hide so much death from not only from children, but from everybody, right? I mean, you know, um, I grew up in an Irish Catholic family. So whenever somebody died, we all went to the wake. And it was like, just part of my experience of, of growing up is like, you went to the wake, and you went and stood by the casket, um, the open casket. Um, but when especially when you think about animals, so much of animals deaths are hidden from us, whether that's animals that we eat, or, you know, animals that are endangered, or, or, or animals that you know, are, are euthanized. And, um, and I think I am always really reluctant. I've been interviewed by like some magazines about this question, like should, should children be present when an animal is euthanized? And I think that has to be up to the child and the adults in that relationship, right? Because on the one hand, on the one hand, you know, there's some research out there and, and I've heard some things from veterinarians saying how upsetting it is for them to do euthanasia when none of the people involved will be in the room because they just will find it too upsetting and then the animal is upset, right? On the other hand, children, um, much like they might associate the term going to sleep with death and then become afraid of sleep, may associate, um, if younger children may associate going to the doctors and getting a shot with euthanasia if you're not careful about how you frame that. And some children might be too young to have that discussion. Um, I have always been of the sort of belief and have sort of suggested that people need to have an on honest conversation with their children about what they might see um, and let children decide for themselves if they want to be present. Um, I recently, a friend of mine recently um, their dog uh, had to be put down and they had children. And even though one of the children went into the room, um, they turned around when, when it was happening. Um, and, and so, you know, they were present, but they didn't have to necessarily see, you know, a needle being stuck in and, and all of that, which is horrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's an awful experience, but, you know, um, so I think there's there's the one side of like, you know, I have to decide based on that child's temperament and that child's emotional right. maturity and conceptual understanding of what's going on. And then also, you know, 
having an honest, honest conversation with them about, well, what, what do you think your pet wants? Do you think your pet wants you to be there? Um, but then that, that can be very difficult. Let's go back to something you mentioned earlier, which is when you're talking about a pet like a guinea pig or a rabbit, and I'm even thinking fish, right? Because yeah. so many young kids have, have fish. They know that, that, the, that the pet is not going to live a really long time. But does time really make any difference in, in the grieving process? You know that a dog or a cat might have died young. But if you have a guinea pig and that's your pet, yeah. and you love your guinea pig and you know they're not going to live a long time, does it make it any easier? In the moment, I don't think it makes it that much easier. I think one of the things that sort of emerged because the interviews that I do with children are usually after sometime after they've lost a pet. Right. So I, I, it's never, I've never really done a project where I'm there in the room with children when they're, you know, pet is dying and I don't know how I would do that. And I don't think I would want to do that. I'm not uh, sure it would be really uh, beneficial it, to the child either. It wouldn't be beneficial to the child and it would be horribly emotionally taxing for me as a researcher. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, when children then speak to adults, right? So a lot of what I hear when I hear, talk to children is their own ideas, but I also often hear through that ways in which things have been explained to them. And that's where this idea of lifetimes often sort of came up for me was, you know, I talked to a little girl who, who was holding her guinea pig and watching television and she felt its heart stop beating. Um, and the guinea oh, pig wow. was five or six years old. And I remember saying to her, like, well, what was that experience like? And she said, I was really upset and really sad. But, um, you know, the guinea pig had lived a good long life. So when she said that, I kind of thought, well, that's a very like emotionally mature way to think about that. But how did you feel in the moment? And, and so in the moment, I'm sure she was really upset uh, and really sad uh, and scared, probably, Um but her description to me to, seemed to kind of like hold some of her parents' discussions of like, okay, well, yeah, this is sad, but let's think about the fact that you gave the guinea pig a good life um, and it lived a long time. Um, that, that helps those children think about that in a different way than just the sort of raw emotion of, of that death. So many children think about their pets in so many different ways, right? Some of them are their best friends. Some of them confide in their pets in ways that they don't confide in friends or siblings or parents. And so that's that's a different kind of loss than a child who the pet is almost like a background part of their life, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, just to, to finish off, um, again, if you go back to just being an adult, we all feel that uh, sense of loss and then you usually go right to, but they had a good life. Right. Or I did, or, you know, if it's a rescue, you know, we rescued and, and her life was so much better. And I'm so happy that I could, I could do that. Uh, Josh, thanks for coming on and talking about this. I think it's, uh, it's so hard for families to, to grieve a pet and to, and to really understand that you need to talk to your kids about this so that yeah. they can internalize it and, and move forward without it causing those kind of subconscious things. Like I'm afraid to go to sleep. Right. Yeah, or that, you know, I, I think children are a lot more emotionally capable than we give them credit for. Uh, and so 
being afraid to talk about something that's difficult um, may just be a projection and and not really um, giving giving your child the the credit that they're due for or, or even the opportunity to 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 learn about and, and experience the fullness of life, which includes death.